Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the second half of the second season of Resident Alien. And this was a 16-episode season. We already did an episode on the first eight, which ended in March of this year, and this one started around August or whatever, so about a five-month gap. Mm -hmm. And I do not feel the season was written with a five-month gap in mind halfway through. And it... If they were going to force one, they picked a good place. They did. I think they picked a good place, but I think I would have done pacing a little bit differently on that ninth and 10th, you know, the first two coming back, mm-hmm. because we watched four and then four, so two nights and such. And we got the first episode, it's like, oh, that's right, that's where they left off. We got to the second, it's like, oh yeah, there were these other characters too, kind of a thing, because they weren't mentioned in that ninth episode, things of that sort. And it's not an Achilles heel, but I think this show has enough plot lines going on, enough characters in play, that there are a couple that sometimes just don't show up for a couple of episodes. Yeah. And that's fine if you've got everything kind of week after week after week after week, but you toss a five-month break in there, and it's like, where did we leave off with this character? You know, do I even remember that character at first? It's like, oh yeah, you know, and they play fair, they have the previously on to get back up to speed and whatnot. But it's not that it's not a tightly written show, it's that, God, again, so many plot lines in play, it's hard for all of them to get even touched on, or even the characters necessarily seen in every episode, without being a little busy and chaotic. Yeah. And I just, I can't get over how different this show is from the comic it is based on. And they're soliciting another volume of, uh, in the comic, it's a series of miniseries, and it's more or less kind of a alien take on Murder, She Wrote would be the best way to put it. Mm, okay. You know, quiet, sleepy town, there's a murder, alien posing as a doctor, let's solve the mystery, that sort of a thing. And it's character-based, Harry's relationship with Asta. I mean, you can see the things they've pulled from the comic, but the tone, the style is just so radically different mm-hmm. that now having gone through two seasons of the show... And it having been a while since I read that last miniseries, because they've done like seven or something, and they're soliciting another, that it's like, oh yeah, that that resident alien property is almost alien to this one. Well, this has a very unique sense of humor. I mean, I don't even know what to classify it as. It's not slapstick. Well, it's awkward discomfort humor kind of cranked up. It's it's the fish out of water. Yeah, a lot of it. But there's... There's something else. I really, I just don't know how to how to describe it. And that that fish out of water and awkward. And I always hated in the I Love Lucy episodes where it was what I would refer to as the painful comedy. Well, there's also a mean comedy to it. There's a almost Don Rickles aspect to the character at times, kind of that insult comic sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is not my favorite style of comedy at all. It can be funny. Yeah, yeah. But it can be also 
bad-humored and ill-natured at times, if not done right. Yeah, I would love to see an interview done with Alan Tudyk and the kid who plays Mac. Mm. Because from what we've seen of Alan Tudyk at conventions, the interviews I've seen of Alan Tudyk, he strikes me as the kind of actor who would have created a rapport with both the child actors. He Absolutely. Does quite a few scenes with and really separated, if you will, what's happening on screen from his actual relationship with them, but also helped them to understand a lot of what's going on and why. Well, and also coach them as to you did really well here, or if you play it this way, it might be even funnier. Yes. Yes. Because he doesn't seem to be the type that needs to get all the laughs himself. No, I agree with that. And he, because we've seen him on panels at conventions in time, and Alec Tudyk as a person can be just very funny, mm -hmm. but there's also the public persona that we're witnessing. Yeah. And I think the actual person behind it is a lot less cavalier, flippant, and a lot more, I think, compassionate and... and I mean, he's clearly very intelligent. Well, the interview I saw where he had played a racist baseball player, mm -hmm. and you know, they were saying that before he would do the scenes that were in front of the stands filled with extras, he would walk out and do almost what a warm-up comedian would do, a uh, filming of a live show. He'd prep the audience. And he would sit there saying, look, I don't agree with the dialogue. However, if we don't put this on film, if we don't remind people of these mistakes from the past, you know, history can repeat itself. So this is something that we're uncomfortable with. We know is wrong, but it needs to be seen. Well, it needs to be seen and shown that it is wrong. Yes, yes. And he, I mean, as I was seeing this article and they were interviewing him about, you know, most actors are so in their headspace for performing that they kind of forget the extras and what's around them. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he stepped out and helped them get into it with him and reminded them the significance of what they were doing, but also the I've had to separate myself and my personal feelings from the dialogue I'm about to deliver. There's also a self-interest aspect of that, as I don't think he would want to be seen as having those views. Or in this character, being that thoughtless, that rude, that you know, self-centered. Right, but there's also the German actors who, after World War II, there were some that it was, I'll never play a Nazi. Mm -hmm. And there were others who, so that the world can be unable to forget, for lack of another phrase, what happened with the Nazis, etc. We have to not only do these performances, but we have to do them well. Well, and there's an aspect of the character of Harry here that is that funhouse mirror reflection on humanity. Yes. We get to see what humanity is by so clearly seeing what it is not. Yeah. You know, it's the, the compare-contrast aspect. And the writing does a good job with that. The, the cast overall does a great job with that. This is so well cast and performed. I mean, I, I haven't really looked up the other actors to see what else they've done, but the one who plays Asta, the one who plays Darcy, really knocked it out of the park this season. I thought the one who played Asta also had some really good lines in a couple of times where she's basically explaining some stuff to Harry and, you know, why we need feelings, why you shouldn't have wiped the memory, that yes. sort of a thing. Yeah. So it's got some really good writing. And I agree that the cast, by and large, is really good. 
but there's an aspect, and part of it is me coming at it from such a different background of knowing the source material. Mm -hmm. I, I can see that. You know, this is a Northern Exposure meets My Favorite Martian with Don Rickles' yeah. sensibility thrown in almost. Yeah. You know, which is so not what it was in the comic. Harry is a really nice guy in the comic. See, and this Harry, I mean, at one point I was sitting here thinking, you know, they've almost put Harry on the autism spectrum. Yes. And By I almost, you mean all along that line, but way outside of it. Yeah. It's amped up to an inhuman degree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's socially awkward mm -hmm. and he's unable to relate. And I don't know if that that feeling like he's on the autis autism spectrum, but not is on purpose or not. I think he's doing the mannerisms and the personification, perhaps not consciously with the autistic spectrum in mind. I think he's doing that with kind of a this skin suit doesn't fit. Yeah. The alien aspect. Yeah. Whereas again, in the comic, Harry was an anthropologist. He was on Earth. He got stuck. He's trying to stay out of the way, not make waves, you know, anything of the sort. He gets pulled into where he's got to help. He winds up befriending a number of people in the community. So he's, he's kind of gone native, if you will. Yeah. Much in the same way Uncle Martin in My Favorite Martian did in that old show. Yeah. So the over-the-topness of, of so many characters, Harry obviously being one of them, but also Judy at times. Yeah, definitely. The sheriff? The sheriff borders between driving me nuts and cracking me up. And part of that is I've seen the actor do seven seasons of another show where he was just the the straight lace dramatic actor. I don't have that background. The first thing I've seen him in is this. And again, he's so over the top. And I mean, to me, this is just talk about showing range. You know what yes. I mean? And he's good. And I thought just in the final episode, they showed some range of he was one way and now he's gone through a, a change. He's still the same guy, but now we're seeing, I want to say, the more serious, reasonable side of him almost. He has opened his eyes to maybe my deputy has more going on than I gave her credit for. He's seeing the world through the deputy's eyes for a little bit. Yeah. And that changes his perspective. Yeah. And again, there's some great characters, some great character moments, but even like the mayor at times is so neurotic at times, it seems mm -hmm. like, that I don't consider him a overly likable character most of mm -mm. the time. I don't either. Uh, Max, uh, his son, at times is almost clever, at other times just such an idiot. Yeah. And But his friend, Zahara. Yeah, she's great. I mean, and it's kind of sad to me that she's secondary character material. Mm -hmm. She was one that we can go a couple episodes and not even hear or mention. And that saddens me because yes. when she's on screen, interesting things are happening. She's done a great job with this. I think they've given her good material. And I, I'm curious where that actress goes after this. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of these other actors don't really feel they need to follow them to other projects. And that's nothing against them. Part of that is the character they're playing. I was going to say, based on the material here, it's hard. But going back to really taking the material and running with it, the actress who plays Deputy Liv, mm -hmm. you know, she, when we first met her in season one, I was like, so do we have an obligatory sidekick? She, in the hands of a lesser talent, 
that character could have come across as a Saturday Night Live spoof of a sheriff's deputy. Yes. And she's got some quirkiness, but we've seen her with her friends. We've seen mm-hmm. the the full aspect of character that character from so many different angles and whatnot that we've really gotten to know her, even if there are some, some awkward scenes with her. She's got such a genuine heart. Yes. And really, I mean, if I were going to go down the list of characters and it's kind of a who do I want in the episode for me to really gravitate to the episode and mm-hmm. feel it was a good one. I mean, I mean, it's it, it's Harry's show. It's Resident Alien. You're going to have Harry, but who else? Okay. So Harry, Asta. Yeah, I was going to say Asta tops the list. Uh, Darcy amuses me. Darcy amuses me, but I like Dan. So do I. Dan was tied with Darcy for me. But then I would go with Liv. Because really, Liv, for me, is the brains and the powerhouse on Mm -hmm. the deputy side of things. Yeah. And the sheriff, while a really talented actor, the dialogue they give him just sometimes has me literally scratching my head. Well, it's a matter of almost, I don't say scene stealing or chewing the scenery or whatever, but being such a bigger-than-life character or caricature of a character. Yeah. And he does a great job with it, but there is a point of okay, can we can we ratchet that back a little bit? And there are a couple others, and and Judy is one of them. I get the purpose she's playing in the stuff, but idiot character that I don't particularly enjoy yeah. being around. If you know what I mean. I blow hot and cold on Ellen. I blow hot and cold on the mayor's wife. Mm-hmm. Max has actually grown on me, but really, Max is good when Zahara is there. Yes. Max and Zahar as as a team, he's he's not the straight man, but he's the one that really makes her yeah seem as intelligent as she is, as you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the you you kind of need the uh, dim bulb in the room so that the brighter bulb is truly shining. Can't have the shadow without the light, kind of duality yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Part of it, though, is when you try to give each of these characters some kind of an arc over the course of the season, even if it's not a huge arc, Darcy going back to the the skiing and such Mm -hmm. and things like that, it gets to where it's a little busy. Yes. And it feels like some of that is, it's Harry's show, but we're taking time away from it for Darcy's skiing, this whole bit with the do we want this resort in the community or not, Asta and what's going on with Jay and stuff. That doesn't seem to be a side story because it, it's echoing what's going on with Harry in some sense, and mm-hmm. she's integral to the story. And it's been going on since season one. Yes. It's, I mean, it's a long term. But we need to fully flesh out Asta to care about her. Yes. So what's going on with Jay, Darcy, and Dan mm-hmm. as the supporting cast for, for Asta, as long as they're in that supporting role for Asta, it works. When we start getting their own plot lines. Well, and part of what I took the skiing for Darcy to be was as much a Darcy is trying to grow up, if you will, but also giving Harry a reason to care beyond just Asta cares about you. So I guess I will, too. Yeah. Yeah. And more than just about churros. Mm-hmm. Well, it had some good character moments and such. And... She's the best friend of Asta. Asta's main character, therefore, yeah. should get some good time. But when we start spending time at the mayor's home and his home life and all of that, and I thought it was going to go 
in one direction, and it didn't quite. I thought it was going to turn out that he was a gray hybrid. I actually wondered at one point if somehow he was going to turn out to be the alien tracker's son who had been swapped for the Hawthorne child when he had had an accident, or if a gray had somehow shapeshifted into his form when he had an accident as a kid. Wasn't quite sure how the aliens were going to get in there. Well, the guard that had the the funky eye and was clearly part alien and such, that was the sort of state I was expecting. Mm. But when we wind up getting some reveals in the final episode of what's going on and such, some of that came out of left field. And they've had a few times, because we get one where we have a scene, things freeze, and we continue on. We go back to the scene, see what happened with Harry and stuff during that time freeze. And then later we go back to it yet again and get even more. Yeah. That to me is a retcon and a poorly done one because when the minute things froze, I'm like, ah, this is when we're going to get the the guest star. You know, here comes George because George Takei was listed the guest stars. We didn't get it. We come back to the scene and then we get him. It's like, ah, he's going to be the voice of the gray, you know? Yeah. Okay, that works. I think if they had done one more episode in this season. What I would have wanted was an episode from the perspective of the child of the alien tracker. That would have been good to get the whole inside of the base and all of that. I I want more than that. And what I mean is, and I hope they give it to us next season. Well, from, from birth on. Yes. Yes. No, I agree. Doing the alien tracker's son's perspective on everything. And they leave off in a point where it would be a really good third season episode to do. Because I really feel like, I mean, at one point he delivers a line of, I just want to get back to my life. And I'm like, what life? Yes. The abducted by aliens life, the imprisoned by the government life. And how did you get out from the aliens to get imprisoned? How did that all work? Yeah. And how do you know your dad other than you saw him for a minute here and a minute there? But I took it for more than a, a minute or two, but they'd get short visitations or whatever. But then the question is, why? Yeah. The whole bit with Terry Quinn's character of the alien hunter, there's stuff left to explain. Yeah. I enjoyed the character, but there were aspects that I think they either don't have fully thought out or at least haven't fully explained to us. And we're far enough down the line that I think they need to. I think next season we're hopefully going to get Deputy Liv shining because we've really built her up as of the deputies, the investigative powerhouse. Well, we've set up a dynamic in the sheriff's office of the sheriff and Liv investigating what's going on with the death of the the alien hunter and such. Meanwhile, the new deputy just hired is kind of working at cross purposes there. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself is the basis of a show if it wanted to be. Yeah. Okay. We've got Harry and the general now starting to work together to save humanity from the gray. We've got what I think has to be an ongoing arc line with the Grey of them not only having abducted people and infiltrating Earth and stuff, now having just regotten the alien hunter's son and having the mayor and the mayor's child from the, the, the pregnancy stuff that happened kind of at the end of the first half of the season and the first half of the second half kind of played through those first couple of, of episodes. Mm-hmm. That by the time they brought it back, it's like, a, oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of moment. Well, and really, I mean, we watched these eight episodes over the course of three days. Yes. So the fact that that pregnancy had already become an, oh, yeah. I mean, if people were watching it week by week by week, I can't help but wonder how much of an, oh, yeah, was that for them? 
that was one of the things I didn't think they really queued back up in the previously on. But the fact they need to do a previously on versus organically resetting the scene in the, the, the span of the story. Yeah. And that's something that can be hard to do, but I really find helpful. You know, I read a ton of comics. I watch a ton of TV shows. Uh, we'll see some movies that follow on from previous movies and stuff like that. So at any given point, I've got a, a ton of stories midstream in my brain. And if they just expect me to, to dial it back up and remember exactly where I left off, they're woefully mistaken. I, I, yeah. I can't do that. I don't know if others can or not. But there are some stories that start back up at a point where even if I don't remember, I'm not lost. And then they're feeding me the breadcrumbs to get me back up to speed, you know, back into the story. And then it's like, yeah, it flows great. Yeah. I read probably 100 pages or more a night in mm -hmm. you know novel form. And one book I picked up this week was book 10 in a series. And as I started, I'm like, I kind of think I've read some of the books in this series, but you know, I read things as they come out. I can't remember. And as I'm going through it, I'm like, oh yeah, I did read that book in the series because this line reminded yeah. me of this. Yeah. And, oh yeah, I read that one. That was really fun because this line reminded me of that. And I thought, you know, the author's doing a really good job of giving me just enough memory jogs. That if, instead of me sitting here going, oh wait, I can't remember the details of that. I'm sitting here going, oh yeah, I read and enjoyed. I read a comic that was pulling on a storyline literally from a year prior. Mm. And it's like, I knew they were going to get around to it because in that intervening year, it's like they were saying, when are we going to get around to it kind of a deal. But in the span of that, a few other characters are brought in and I'm like, where the hell did these come from? It's from the, the deep recesses of, of the history of that those characters or whatnot. There wasn't a footnote. There wasn't any dialogue. It's like, I see how they fit in the story and what narrative role they play. And I've been reading that particular property for a long time. Yeah. So maybe I've seen these characters and just don't remember them, but they didn't give me any clue as to, oh, yeah. And again, eight episodes, four of them on a Wednesday night, four of them on a Friday night with just the Thursday in between. And we're getting to the end and it's, oh, yeah, I guess they did do that earlier this part of the season. Mm -hmm. And part of it is they've got a lot going on. They really do. Part of it, though, is it's not that it's not memorable, but I think there's better writing techniques that could be done to keep things top of mind when it needs to be and not when it shouldn't be. I think there's also an aspect, though, of they throw in scenes for fun that kind of clutter it up. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of whimsical over-the-topness and, oh, they're just saying that. Oh, that doesn't matter. Well, the man who walks in on the couple in bed and later at the end of the episode, we see the man being chased out of the house. And that went nowhere in the next episode. And by the time we get back, the seeing him running in the house, which is the third time we've seen the scene... That first they stop time, then they tell us what happened when they stop time, and then later we find out what really happened in the next episode and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, I, I run it. Oh, I guess that was from the beginning where there was this setup that that only seemed to be there so we could almost hit a guy in traffic. Yeah, it seemed like a framing sequence or whatever, a callback to a meaningless scene that still has no context at the end of the season. Yeah, nor do I expect it ever will. No, and I don't think so either, because like I said, there are some scenes that kind of feel like clutter, that in this case, it was just, we need them to almost have a car accident, so this will be funny. Yeah, to set this up, we've got to do this here, 
even though it's not really payoff, it's just to happen. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's aspects of the writing there that, that frustrate me a little. And it's not unique to this, but this one has, it's noticeable here, I guess. Yeah. Well, I will say, because, I mean, there's not a lot of social commentary that really jumps out at me from this. But I will say that in terms of the pandemic and COVID, I felt the you're not alone, people mm-hmm. moving in together to be support systems and that kind of thing, families coming together was kind of big, especially in the second half here of the season. I think that was something that where the pandemic influenced the writing, but the writing didn't call it out to the pandemic, which I appreciated. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. There was definitely a sense of pulling together and community and the benefits of a small town or whatnot. Well, but like when Darcy needs help, she doesn't just turn to a friend for help in the moment. The friend takes her into her home and yeah. gives over yeah. the guest room until, you know, three days and you're like bad fish. It felt like more like a week or whatever, but I'm still trying to figure out how much time elapsed from when the mayor and his wife thought they were going to have another kid to the end of the season. Because based on what we see, it feels like more time elapsed than I would have thought. She thought she was maybe two months pregnant at, I thought, the beginning of the season. So a little before Halloween, because we had a Halloween episode, and I don't know when we left off at the end Uh of the season. Time elapsing is, is nebulous at times. Yeah, and I'm not really sure when the surprise, how much time was between the surprise party where we announced the pregnancy and Halloween. I kind of, yeah, like you said, time is kind of. It didn't seem like there was much. No. Halloween snuck up on me. Yeah. Though I have to say the alien eating Halloween candy amused me. It was stale, but it was still around near the end of the season. So that implies weeks at most. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun show. It's got a particular style of humor that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work for me. And there's an over-the-topness at times that can be a little much. But it's well done acting-wise and stuff like that. I think there's a little work they could do on the writing. There's an aspect to it that reminds me of the Carol Burnett show in terms of their times when it kind of looks like people are trying not to look at one another because they're afraid they'll lose it. How far can we push it without going too far almost? Yeah. And there are other times where, especially with Asta and Harry, those scenes, where Asta is just kind of looking at Harry like, and where you got to try and take this now? And it's just kind of the she doesn't quite know what Alan Tudyk's going to feed her next. I would be curious to hear interviews from her in terms of what does she feel her role on the set is. Not Mm. her role in the show. Exactly, yes. But is it like Felisa Rashad, who was was often paired with Bill Cosby, because she was the one who, when he got off track, could pull him back onto the script. Which I always thought was an amazing talent. Is Asta's... Is she there as the straight man for Harry or the the anchor to pull it back on when it's going too far or something? Well, there was one scene where he's just kind of going off clearly no idea what he's going with. And you can almost see her with the, and now it's time to cut him off. How do they play that? How does it work? And how has that evolved over the two seasons? Yeah. Because there are times where, yeah, you got to let him run with it, but just how far? Yeah. Yeah, she's one I want to see what she does after this. Yeah, I agree. She's done a great job here. She's gotten some great material, and she's kind of the definite human heart and soul of the show. Yes, yes, which the show needed. Yeah, and she does does very well with that. You know, at first she was humanizing Harry, 
then she helped Harry find, for lack of a better term, his humanity. And now she has really helped him form attachments. I think one of the surprisingly cute scenes was when Harry gave Max the picture of himself. Mm -hmm. And really, I think for Max, that was one of his better scenes. I was half expecting it to be a photo of George Clooney or something. Oh, that would have been priceless. Actually, it would have been funny if it was uh, Nathan Fillion. <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. But, I mean, there are those moments where Max kind of understands. Yes. There are times where Max is a complete idiot and other times where he's a lot smarter than he should be. Yeah. Well, he understands because he sees the world differently than those around him. Yeah. And that's really an interesting character that they don't play with that aspect of him very much. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny because I think seeing the world differently is something that they should be embracing a little bit more because they've seen this property of Resident Alien very differently than the original creative team in the comic did. And both are legit takes, but very different takes. Yeah. Well, we came near the end of the season and I'm like, oh my God, are we going to investigate the death of Sam again? How many yeah. times have we investigated the death of Sam? How many people have we put in jail for the death of Sam? Well, murder mystery origins of the property, though, it kind of makes sense. Yes, but... It's usually different murder mysteries they're following than the same one over and over again. That's what I would expect, and quite yeah. frankly, some of these investigations have been farcical. You know, this is what the evidence is, so if I rephrase if, it slightly... If I dummy it up, I'll make it look like this. Yeah. It would be interesting to see... At some point down the line, somebody take this property as a series of mystery movies, a la the Hallmark Channel or something mm. like that, and do it more akin to how the the, the comic was. That would be a hilarious two-part episode. Oh, He's, if it was kind of reimagined into... Yes. Do the Hallmark mystery movie two-part episode of this. Yeah. And basically have it be someone's family is in from out of town. And this is their perception of paradise. Oh, yeah. There's a number of ways you could go with it and such. I'm glad they're getting a third season. I yeah. think there's a lot they can be doing and need to be doing in terms of following up on some of the plot lines and stuff. I'd be disappointed if this were the end of the series. Oh, so would I. Yeah. But it's also one where I don't need really long seasons for this show because there is a point where the sense of humor is a little, little tiring at times. By the end of the season, I was actually laughing less and more thinking, I know you want me to laugh. It's a different brand of humor that I tend to gravitate towards. Yeah. Insult jokes, again, the awkwardness off the autistic spectrum kind of a thing. Yeah, I will admit the one scene that busted me up hard was when Asta is asking Dan to push Darcy yes. out of the nets. Yes. And you, you can't enable her this way yes yes and he turns and says you know what it's time for you to move out i cannot enable you any longer and she's like what just happened yes yeah i thought that was pretty funny that was a hilarious scene well and that actor played it so well he really did there's an aspect of the dan character that has hidden depths at times that you don't always see but ring very true to the character when you see them yeah you know he's he's been to war he's got that that hard edge to him at times, but he's a nice, compassionate guy. Yeah. And a good mentor slash father figure to a number of characters. Yes. So I've I've enjoyed seeing him on the screen. I think they did surprisingly surprisingly well with the relationship between 
Liv, and the sheriff's father. Yeah. Well, the character of Dan is, there's an equivalent character in the comic, but much more, I'm trying to think how to phrase this, almost cliche, modern day medicine man mm. of the tribe sort of mm-hmm. equivalent. The wise uncle on the reservation sort of thing. Much more steeped in the Native American culture and stuff than this character feels. Mm-hmm. And the whole stuff with the sheriff and all of that, radically different in the comics to, to the point of being irrelevant. They were going to have a sheriff's office, but let's go in this direction, not. Yeah. Which, again, you're going to retool stuff to make it work as a show. The show seems to be working well. Three seasons is, is pretty good, and that's just so far. Yeah. So, you know, credit to them on that. But I am curious if they've got a plot line that'll go beyond a third season or not. Yet they've they've had it go further than I would have expected. Well, when in doubt, just have another alien race find Earth and plan to destroy it. Yeah, there's always a, a reason to have Earth under jeopardy. and Yeah. As long as you've got a plan for the current season and seeds for the next, mm-hmm. it could have just as easily ended with he'd somehow taken care of the greys and we're, we live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Or not, and we just roll forward 500 years and Earth's destroyed, which they actually did at one point. What would actually amuse me when we get to the they know they've only got one season left type thing is if Harry and Asta and Dan basically go on a fishing trip or something and stumble through a portal and go back in time 100 or 150 years and really are the medicine men, if you will, Mm. of the time because they know so much future stuff. Yeah, well... If you did it with a, a backdoor reset button, I would have half the main cast go back. The mayor is the one who starts the family line. Yes, yes. You know, things of that sort. Yeah. Darcy's the one that convinces the 59 to go into the mine. Oh, God, that, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think they should go that way, but I think there's ways they, they could. It could be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Patience Actually- is what it is because of them. Actually, instead of Darcy convincing them to go into the mine, it should be Judy. Because Judy's the one who wouldn't put two and two together oh. until the accident. Whereas Darcy w- might actually realize and feel guilty. It depends who the person in the mine is they're saving. Oh, that's true. And it's yeah. the heroic thing to do. It's the right thing to do. You know, yeah. there's, you could play it a number of ways. Yeah. And if it was Dan in the mine, Darcy would send 59 in to get the one Dan, out. certainly if it's Asta. Yeah. So, yeah. But again, they've built these characters up and there's certain things you know they would do. Yeah. And again, that's that's credit to the writing crew. Yeah. And the actors for bringing these characters to life so well. Yes. Fun show. May not be for everybody. And if you're looking for exactly what's in the comic, you're not going to get it. But if you're looking for something with this kind of sense of humor and sensibility, it's worth checking out, I think. Mm, I agree. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.